Welcome to the City Rev Life podcast. My name is Angelica, and today we have Pastor Justin Chades, and we are going to continue our conversation on what is the difference. Yeah, that's right, Angelica. Glad and to be here with you. I'm glad you're here, and we're here together. Um, and so today we're going to talk about Judaism, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, okay. that's our conversation, and we're talking specifically what's the difference between Judaism and Christianity, and we'll also share a little bit about what does it look like um, as a Christian to engage in conversations with those who are of a Jewish faith. Well, that is so good. I have some family members that are Jewish, and so I can't wait to learn today. Yeah, so I think to start, I think it's helpful, before we even begin to define Judaism, um, just to say uh, it is so essential that for us as believers in Jesus— that we start all of these conversations and all of this dialogue that we have with people from different faith background or no faith background, just from a place of mutual respect and honor. Um, and we have this pillar in our faith that is also consistent in Jewish faith as well, that every human being, regardless of what they believe, where they're from, is made in the image of God and has inherent value and worth. And so the person that we're in front of or the family member um, that we're with is not a project to be fixed. Um, they're not uh, an argument to win. They are a human being um, made in God's image with value. And so we want to approach that with respect. And, um, you know, in, in different times in history, Christians and Jews have had great relationships and, and horrible relationships yeah. throughout uh, Christian history and history in general. And um, I think it's important for us to acknowledge that, own that, and want to work towards this mutual respect and honor. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. In fact, I think the world would be a better place if we could see people the way that God yeah. has created them Yeah, in the image of God. Yeah, to have that perspective. So I think just to start, it's helpful to clarify a few things. I think we can sometimes confuse. I'd be curious to hear if this has been your thought process before. It certainly has been mine. But um, you know, Judaism, like many other faiths, including Christianity, uh, has different branches or denominations that range and have some differences or discrepancies in terms of their belief and practice. Okay. Um, and I think this is where I think there's some confusion. Um, it's that for Christians, we sometimes tend to think that, oh, Jews, like the Old Testament, mm -hmm. that's what they believe. That's what they do. You know, just the Old Testament. There you go. Like, I read the Old Testament, I'm a Christian, I know what Jews believe and yeah. think and practice. Um, and I certainly had that perspective, but that is not necessarily consistent with modern Judaism, even Orthodox Judaism. And I think the significant uh, thing for us to note as we start this conversation is even as those who read the Old Testament to acknowledge that there are moments throughout the story of the Hebrew Bible where Jewish faith and practice evolves. So, for example, I'm thinking of um, the difference between Jewish practice and the way they would celebrate feasts and uh, all that before the destruction of the temple uh, in 586 B.C. by the Babylonians. So, uh, if you remember, Angelica, in the book of Daniel, mm -hmm. uh, Daniel is a Jewish exile living in Babylon. And there's a question that, is before every Jew living in exile. How do you observe the Torah with no temple? What was the temple significant for? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was like the place of sacrifice, yes, right? Yes. What do you do when there's no priests? There's no yeah. temple. Yeah. How do you worship the Lord? You know, and yeah. and Jews had to wrestle with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so 
even within our Old Testament itself, there are moments where the story and their practice has to evolve out of necessity. Yes. That also happens, you know, when you flip over to the New Testament, for example, uh, have you ever noticed that all of a sudden there's this very prominent group called the Pharisees that Uh pop up all over through the Gospels in the New Testament in Judaism, but in the Old Testament, they're nowhere to be found. There's no, there is no Pharisee in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is that in between the composition of the Old Testament and the time of Jesus, there was this movement within Judaism of, uh, in that second temple period of, uh, basically a, a reaffirmation or a reconnection to the Torah, to committing themselves to practice the Torah with strict observance and a particular way of reading and interpreting, uh, the Torah and the prophets. So anyways, in our own old Testament, we have, we have precedent of how Jewish faith and practice has molded and evolved. And that has not stopped. Mm-hmm. since the time of Jesus. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Especially when, as a Christian, you've seen also the evolvement or... The evolution. The evolution right. of Christianity. Yeah. And so it makes sense that that happens in other religions as well. Yes, yes. And so what we would say is that there are certain pillars mm-hmm. that have not changed, okay? Uh, so Jews worship the same God. There are pillars, right? They still say Deuteronomy 6, the Shema, which is like one of their core, um, their core doctrinal statements about the Lord, about their God. Mm-hmm. Um, so w- when we say evolution, we're not saying like, you know, dumbing down or dulling. It's with a changing world, how do you honor the Lord in their mind? How do mm-hmm. you honor God with an ever-changing world? What does that look like? And so we've seen that and that has continued to this day. Another key kind of moment that spurred this on was in AD 70 when the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans. Uh, This is the second temple. And so now that really set in motion uh, an era within Judaism, uh, sometimes referred to as rabbinic Judaism, that developed uh, really in light of that with the tradition of the Pharisees. And um, basically what emerged from that time period is really the seeds of what Judaism today looks like. Because okay. after that period, there is there is a scattering of Jews again. There's not a national Israel mm-hmm. for a long, 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 long time, centuries, um, like there is today. And so what that leaves us with then is, okay, well then how do we define modern Judaism? How do we define what it's like? If it's not just what I read on the pages of the Old Testament, although the Torah... The prophets, the writings, they certainly inform Jewish practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't misunderstand. And it's it's not like now Jews believe something that's like, you know, completely opposite and contradict. No, no, it's still anchored to um, those, the texts that we have in our Old Testament. Yeah. Uh, but there has been uh, some evolution and adaptation. And so if we can put it on a scale in terms of defining Judaism in the specific branches within it, give kind of an overarching scale of the branch of Judaism that has the loosest level of Torah observance okay. versus the strictest Torah observance. I think there's two categories that are that are helpful to think through. And the first is reform Judaism, reform Judaism. When you hear reform, what do you think of, Angelic? I'm just curious. I just think changed. Change, okay, yeah. yeah. Change, um, adapting. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's interesting is, 
Judaism has, all of Judaism, whether you're Orthodox or not, has had to reform in some ways. Mm -hmm. But Reform Judaism, specifically as a title, refers to uh, a branch within modern Judaism that is loose in terms of its Torah observance. Um, they are not strict. Uh, it's if you're someone who kind of belongs to a reform synagogue, mm -hmm. uh, a reform Jewish synagogue, um, you're probably not looking for a Messiah. You're not really concerned about a Messiah. If anything, the people might see themselves as some kind of embodiment corporately of the messianic office. And by doing good deeds, mm -hmm. they are bringing about what the promise is about the Messiah advocate for and reform Jewish communities typically on the whole advocate for more liberal theological and social positions. Mm -hmm. So that term liberal meaning again, loose, loose relationship to the original scriptures. Uh, and so reform Judaism is, um, you know, they, they keep the traditions in mm -hmm. terms of, uh, they might celebrate the holidays and they have their kids bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah and, and uh, celebrate Hanukkah, and uh, they'll gather together in synagogue, but they're not strictly practicing Sabbath. You okay. know, they're not, um, you know, for some of them, they might not be strictly eating kosher. Okay. Uh, and so that's kind of the dynamic of that. Mm -hmm. And then the other end of the spectrum, you've got Orthodox Judaism. When you hear Orthodox, what comes to mind? What comes to mind for me is um, there are a lot of communities here in South Florida where you mm. see um, them in, in uh in dress yeah right? particular dress yeah, yeah particular right. dress and uh you see them i see them especially walking around on saturday yeah they're, they're not allowed to drive a car or do any yeah. work right yeah on sabbath uh, i i do see um for me that's those who are are strict practicing yeah jewish yeah that's communities. right yeah and what's interesting is <clears throat> within orthodox judaism there is strict torah observance keep kosher I, buying your groceries from a different store mm -hmm. to make sure that it's been handled properly, uh, practicing st Sabbath strictly, observing the feasts and festival holidays, mm -hmm. um, you know, and uh, having a prayer regimen that's very much um, that's very much uh, strict, and uh, it's a way of life, and they do keep a traditional dress. Um, depending on there's branches within Orthodox Judaism, and they have different ways of identifying themselves. Um, through the way they wear their hair mm -hmm. or the hats they wear, the dress they have. And a kind of a moderating position within Orthodox Judaism um, is sometimes called, I think it's called conservative Judaism is okay. the, the, the phrase for it. And it's still strict Torah observance. So they're, they're keeping kosher and they're observing the holy days and they are practicing Sabbath, um, but they don't take on the traditional dress um, that some Orthodox Jews, that Orthodox Jews would, they, okay. um, you know, have adapted to the cultural setting, some of that, some of those features while still observing um, the Torah in a strict way. So those are just, a, that's just a sampling. I mean, mm -hmm. that, and this is just for our, the sake of our conversation. And um, I am by no means an expert on modern day Judaism. So forgive me if there's anything that I shared, but hopefully that gives kind of a broad overview of Judaism as it stands today. Yeah, that that actually makes it very relatable too, mm. right? Yeah. Um, we have people who are who who say they're Christian, right? And um, but they aren't practicing that yeah. uh, all the time. We have uh, family members or friends yeah. who even like go to church on dif different holidays, but then that's about about it, right? Yeah. 
Um, but it is helpful to understand where or how how their faith is practiced. That is a great observation. I think um, that's helpful for us to keep in mind. Uh, yeah, there's cultural forms of Christianity, mm-hmm. you know, where you go to church on Christmas Day or Easter. Um, but other than that, you don't really have much other than maybe praying every now and again. You don't really have much practice um, in terms of your your faith. Um, and then there's kind of a sliding scale. There are people who go to church on Sundays every week. But if you look at the fruit of their lives, you would not be able to tell the difference between their life, their lifestyle, how they act and treat others, what their purpose in life is, and somebody who's a Buddhist or an atheist. Mm -hmm. And they might be going to church every Sunday. And then you see those who are very serious and committed in their faith in Jesus and their lives are drastically different from the surrounding world and mm-hmm. they're living for his kingdom. So that's a helpful way to think about it. It is relatable in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes when we think about our friends who have different faiths, we think we don't have anything in common with them. Sure. And so this is that's that's great. That's great. Yeah, it's especially me. not true with Judaism because we do share. I mean, we worship a Jewish Messiah. Yes. Who we believe is the fulfillment of God's promises to them. But maybe a, a helpful way to kind of continue the conversation is to actually answer the question the podcast is about what's the difference so what is the difference yeah what is the difference so uh one i think important difference to note is uh judaism is both a faith system religious uh, religion but it's also an ethnicity like Mm -hmm. there are a, a people group an ethnicity uh who descend from the family of abraham and Therefore, um, a person can be ethnically Jewish, but not practicing in their faith. Mm -hmm. And uh, even the title secular Jew, you maybe have heard before, which is a person who is ethnically Jewish, but is not not practicing. They might even be an atheist. Mm -hmm. Um, And they might celebrate Hanukkah, but it doesn't necessarily mean anything. In, In terms of Christianity, what we would say, even though we just said a moment ago, there's cultural Christianity, we would say... That's a misnomer mm-hmm. um, because to be a Christian is to be a little Christ. It's to be like Christ, a follower of his. Um, but Christianity, there's no ethnicity tied to it. Uh, the, Jesus came as a Jewish Messiah to start a movement um, and to build his kingdom of people from all nations of the mm-hmm. earth. And that's a significant feature of our faith. Um, in fact, Christianity is the most diverse religious movement in the history of mankind. Mm-hmm. There are Christians who worship Jesus in multiple, in hundreds of different languages all over the world in a number of different cultural ways. Yes. Um, it's a very multi-ethnic family. Um, so uh, at the same time, uh, another key difference between uh, Jewish faith and the Christian faith is uh, in terms of our scriptures. So the Jews, they do hold to our Old Testament, the, mm-hmm. the Torah, the prophets, and the writings um, sometimes called the Tanakh. So our our Hebrew scriptures and their Hebrew scriptures, they're shared there. But the a key difference, obviously we have the New Testament that mm-hmm. we hold as sacred and we hold in the same regard with the same authority as the Old Testament. Yes. But then Jews also add the Talmud and the Mishnah as sacred writings. And these are two works that are commentaries on the law that further fill out details of how do you obey certain laws they also contain rabbinic tradition and, and meditations on um, how do you interpret some mysterious passages. Um, and so Jews, um, especially certain branches within Judaism, hold these two 
books as sacred texts that deeply inform their practice um, in a way that, especially among Protestant Christians, we really don't have an equivalent outside of Scripture. Yeah, uh, we have commentaries, but we yeah. don't hold it to that same regard. Yeah, there are commentaries on the Old Testament or New Testament that I have in my library, but mm-hmm. I'm not using those to inform my practice. Um yeah in the way that a, a Jewish person might use the Talmud and the Mishnah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I'd also just say along those lines that, um, you know, the value in, in Protestantism of, of sola scriptura, that our, our faith and practice flows from the authority of scripture alone mm-hmm. um, as God's revealed word to us. And um, so th- there's a key difference there. And, and I think that brings up and draws out something we've alluded to throughout the conversation which is that Christians tend to place a higher value on belief, whereas Jews tend to place a higher value on practice. Yes. Um, even that, even the idea of practicing Jew, that's a more common phrase than practicing Christian. Right. You know, in yeah. that sense, um, practice matters in our faith. What you do matters. Mm-hmm. Um, but we believe that what we do is deeply rooted and anchored in what we believe, mm-hmm. and that belief is kind of the first domino. And the action follows from that, whereas Jews might place a higher value on their practice, on literally how they are living out the Torah, mm-hmm. the, observing the Torah, um, and living their lives. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, the Messiah, uh, there's that key difference. I mean, that's kind of the main, if you could just narrow it down to the one main thing, it's that we as Christians believe that Jesus Christ of Nazareth um, well, we, I just gave it away. He's the Christ. He is yes. the Messiah. And he is the one who fulfills God's promise to the Jewish people mm-hmm. and is the savior of the world who has come to rescue and redeem humanity. Yeah. And then the Jew, the Jewish faith, they are still waiting on that Messiah. Yeah. They're still uh, waiting, anticipating. And, and like we referenced earlier, there's some Jews that, unlike in Jesus' day, they don't necessarily have like this eager waiting for the Messiah. There are some who do. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, they they would not believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Um, and what we would say is, you know, we, we believe that Jesus is the the one that the prophets spoke about. Uh, we believe he's the, the one described by the prophet Daniel in Daniel chapter 7, the son of man who would be exalted to the right hand of God and rule the nations. We believe that Jesus is the fulfillment of Second Samuel seven, God's promise to King David that uh, a son of his will rule over uh, and establish an eternal kingdom yes. and have a, an eternal throne. Um, we believe that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament hope, and uh, that's a key difference. And that is the dividing line. Um, mm-hmm. The Scripture says there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved, but the name of Jesus. And um, and so that is the key difference. That is the heart of the gospel. It's Jesus and his identity as the Messiah, God's promised anointed one who rescues and redeems humanity. Uh, and so that would, that's how I'd say, you know, to boil it down, that's the big difference. That's the big difference. Now, how would you share Jesus to mm. your Jewish friends? Yeah. Can you give us that? Yeah. So in this series, I think we've touched on that question with mm-hmm. each one. And I think we're going to probably be saying this every single episode because it's so important. Um, don't assume you know what they think and believe, mm-hmm. you know, even if you've read the Old Testament a lot and, um, you know, don't assume you, you, you already know what they think and believe. Um, and w- what I would say is 
honor them enough to ask questions and genuinely learn about what they think mm-hmm. and and care for them enough to listen and seek to understand and honor them as a human by saying hey, how has this been important and meaningful to you mm-hmm. like and take on the posture of a student in that way i think that will help inform your witness to them and mm-hmm. it also shows honor to them which is which is important and what i would say is a helpful starting place you know it's it's always building a relationship uh, that's the that's key it's so so important and significant if if you have a friend or a family member who's jewish and they're willing to sit and read um, the Old Testament together. And maybe you say something like, hey, I'd, I'd love to read, I'd love to read, you know, from the Torah or the prophets with you sometime. And just maybe you pick a passage that's meaningful to you. And then I could pick, pick a passage meaningful to me and we can just share what we see and how that passage is impactful to us. And I would love to learn from you and I'd love to get the opportunity to just share what I think. I'm sure that's even so much more honoring to actually want to know what they believe. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And you might, I think, be illuminated and and we can sometimes have assumptions um, and uh, make an argument against something that they actually don't think. Mm-hmm. And we end up, it's unhelpful to do that. So I think that could be a helpful starting point. You know, some key Old Testament passages, there's so many, you know, Luke 24 in the New Testament, Jesus said the whole Torah and the prophets are about him, mm-hmm. which is quite a statement. Yeah. So according to Jesus, when we're reading the Old Testament, it's all pointing to him. So there's no shortage of places we can go that kind of leap and point us to Christ. Um, but what I would say, just a couple of passages, just off the top of my head, that could come to mind, passages like Genesis 22, the binding of Isaac mm-hmm. on Mount Moriah, which is the mountain uh, on which Jerusalem was set, uh, you know, that passage promises that the Lord will provide a lamb mm-hmm. who will uh, be a substitute. And um, passage just beautifully anticipates the coming of another son of Abraham who will lose his life in our place. The Passover story in Exodus 12. Yeah. Um, you know, that's such a significant passage for Jews uh, at the heart of their identity as those who were set free from slavery in Egypt. And we as Christians... Uh, we we honor that, and Jesus was crucified during Passover. Yes. And that's significant, and we're supposed to connect those dots and see Jesus as the fulfillment of the Passover and as the ultimate Passover lamb who dies in our place so that mm-hmm. death will pass over us. Um, Isaiah 9, you know, it's the Christmas passage that um, the Lord is going to bring a, a child who will be born who'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting yes. Father, Prince of Peace. Um, promises you know, about his, his government, that there will be no end to it. So uh, Isaiah 53, the suffering servant of the Lord. Jeremiah 31, God is going to make a new covenant with his people. He's going to write the Torah on their hearts, no, no longer on stone. Mm-hmm. Um, Ezekiel 34, the shepherds of Israel have failed in their leadership. So God himself, he says, is going to come and shepherd his people. And then right after that, he says, and David is going to shepherd his people. So God says, I'm going to shepherd you and David. By this point, David has long been dead. Mm-hmm. So this is speaking about David's son, yes. right, one, the son of David that was promised in 2 Samuel 7, who would come, the Messiah. And so how could it? How could God himself shepherd the people and, and the son of David shepherd the people 
well, it's because the son of God is the, also the son of David. It's yeah. one one person who does that. And and there are so many others, but at, you know, in those conversations, it's so important to hear them out and mm-hmm. to not assume um, how they view them and, and share. And I think your ultimate goal in having conversations in, in about the Old Testament is to invite them in at any point that they're willing to just read and consider the life of Jesus. Yeah. Like pick up the gospel of Matthew and read the story of Jesus. Ask, have you ever, have you ever just read, read about him? You know, ask that question, consider and um, pray. You pray, pray for them. You pray that God would move in their hearts and that they would be compelled um, by the spirit to put their faith in Jesus. And so that, you know, prayer is at the heart of it. It's, it's praying God would open their eyes um, to see the, the beauty and glory of Christ because we can't argue someone into the kingdom. And so we share lovingly, patiently, boldly um, with care for them. That is so good. And I, and I think um, you're right. We've, we've said this throughout mm-hmm. the entire series that um, but I think what really stood out is saying, hey, see them as they were created in the image of God. That stood mm-hmm. out. If you do that, yeah, you'll know that the characteristics that they have share mm-hmm. the characteristics of our God. Yeah. Um, and don't assume. Don't assume you know what they believe in mm-hmm. and and learn about it. And I think just just to learn about their their culture or to learn about their religion, their faith, um, just shows care and yeah. authenticity in the relationship. And um, and I think that deepens your relationship with that person. And then within that time, you guys can even have uh, more conversations and share your faith mm-hmm. and God will open that door. Yeah. And, and also what I'm hearing is, of course, with all of our friends, pray for them. Yeah. Pray for them. Yes. Prayer, prayer is, is so key and it's what Jesus told us to do. Uh, I love this quote from Bernard Gare. I think I'm pronouncing that right. He is uh, someone who's written extensively on taking the message of Jesus to Jews and uh, he himself a Jew he says this when a Jew accepts the Messiah Jesus he is not less a Jew but rather becomes a completed Jew for he has found in his life and spirit the fulfillment of the promises made by God to our fathers he becomes together with all believers Jew and Gentile a redeemed son of God and so when someone who is of a Jewish background puts their faith in Jesus it doesn't mean that they abandon their Jewish heritage or that they, uh, you know, really this is unique to Judaism. There's ways in which if you're converting to Christianity from Islam or some of these other faiths, there's a there's a significant cleaving that come, yeah. that has to happen. Um, but if you're coming to faith in Jesus as Messiah, as a Jew, it's not as though you're forsaking your Jewish identity. In fact, the first generation of Jewish Christians they still went to the temple at the hour of prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Jewish Christians who grew up practicing Torah kept practicing Torah and observing the Torah in a number of ways. Uh, and so it's not that you're forsaking your your heritage or, you know, um, abandoning the, the faith of your, what we would say is it's the fulfillment of it. It's the, it reaching its climax in the promise that God has been making and has delivered on through his son, Jesus. And so that's what I just close with. 
Yeah. Well, that is so good. I hope this was helpful and encouraging to you. If you have a Jewish friend, um, maybe even share this podcast. But this is our time. This is the end of our time for this episode. Mm -hmm. And we can't wait to see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the City Rev Life podcast. Feel free to subscribe and leave a rate and review. And we love it when you share it with your friends on social media. So don't forget to tag us at cityrev.church. If you're interested in more resources, download our City Rev Church app and follow us on social media. Thank you so much and have a great day.